Hello, students, and welcome to Class of X, the free internet course on how to read and enjoy the X-Men comics better. I'm your teacher and host, John Reisinger, and today we're going to start off the new year with some hard facts and talk about some of the biggest and most often incorrect misconceptions and myths and answers about the X-Men. And I, John, the man who has made it very clear that I know everything about the X-Men is going to, am going to get it right. Um, I really hope I laid on enough sarcasm with that last sentence there um, because I've made it very clear that while I am someone I consider to know a lot about the X-Men, I don't know everything. I get things wrong, but I'm just trying to share some knowledge and get people interested in these fun little mutants that I adore and love and have done so for well, it's 2024 now, so we're talking 30-plus years, 32, 33 years now at this point. Um, that's a long time to be a fan of something, uh, but I think that's 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 a strength. Can I call it a strength to be that devoted to these mutants? Um, I hope it is, and I hope it gets you uh, interested and excited about hearing about them and talking about them because that's the aim of this show. I want to get people to enjoy X-Men comics. And if they already are, then I want to just give them a space to hear someone else talk about it because, frankly, I haven't gotten to talk to people enough in my life about X-Men because I haven't found fans um, about them in my life um, as much as I am. And so that's why I've gathered this robust community here to talk about the X-Men. And so today's episode is a little different than normal episodes. I know we ended the year with an abnormal episode as well. We just kind of did some Christmas specials. Um, And normal. Normally, episodes for the show are geared around either um, a specific story that I want to share with you or talk to you about, or it's often about uh, a specific character that I want to introduce you to, like uh, Mystique or Nimrod. We've done episodes on them. Um, In fact, I kind of want to do another one of those episodes soon. Um, So if there's a character you think that I should go deep dive in, um, please let me know. uh, Reach out on the socials, um, Class of X, um, on everywhere. Um, uh, including threads. Um, I don't know why I just did a social plug there, but that's how that worked out. Um, and, uh, we, we, so we do stories, we do characters, or sometimes I do just information dumps and that's kind of what today's is so if you are a previous x-men fan and you're like i don't want to hear you talk about facts i challenge you to listen to this episode and see if you can get the answers uh before i get to them test your knowledge test your might um and if you're not an x-men fan this is a perfect episode for you to listen to because you might be somebody who's like i've watched the cartoons or i've watched the movies or i've read one issue in my entire life and usually through that method of introduction to the x-men you can enjoy them but you might have some incorrect uh you know uh, understandings of these characters their families their stories their origins because uh, other than the comics the other forms of media have gone loosey-goosey with the the lore of x-men Frankly, the comics have been loosey-goosey with the lore of the X-Men, but that's comics in general. I think if you go into comics and don't expect uh, and brace for retcons, you're setting yourself up for heartache because that's the name of the game. Um, These characters have been around for 60-plus years, and so they've been handed to so many authors and artists, and they all want to add to it, and it can be difficult to add to something this complex, the, the history of a 60 year old story um it you know and they they can get things wrong or they can just want to change things which i think is, is part of the malleability and fun of these comics so um through all that 
it's hard to keep information straight. And um, the only thing that I'm that's straight about me uh, is going to be the information about the X-Men um, in today's episode. Uh, excuse my bad queer joke. Um, so let's talk about the X-Men. And I'm excited about the last portion of this episode. So I challenge you to stay through to the last part because uh, uh, we're going to start off slow, but we're going to ramp up and get to some interesting uh, myths around the X-Men that I'm excited to go over with you guys because I think it's fun to talk about it. But frankly, let's just start off with where do the X-Men actually come from? Because I don't know if a lot of people have this correct or have this this understanding of really where they are. Those of you who've listened to Class of X could probably write a thesis at this point because I've talked about it quite a bit. So I'll keep this brief. I'm not going to talk about it too long. Originally, yes, the X-Men were created by Stan Lee, that guy who showed up in all the Marvel movies until his, his uh, unfortunate demise. Um, and so he basically was like, oh, I've made Spider-Man and Fantastic Four and the Hulk and I'm, I'm working on these guys called the Avengers but I, I have this idea of some teenagers who are superheroes and uh, what can I do to give them a unique story a unique origin you know he had already done like oh these people were later on in life exposed to weird cosmic rays or radiation or they were bitten by something something like um like lycanthrope but with spiders um what can i do with them that's different and he was like well what if they're born with these superpowers um and then that allows them to kind of be a different branch of the human race, um, which sets them up for being a good tool of their metaphor, which is different is scary, different is wrong, aka we often call that bigotry. Um, and so the X-Men were born that way. They were not called the X-Men originally in Stan's little noggin. Um, he wanted to call them the mutants. But everyone was like, no kids, who are the main demographic of these stories, are going to know what a mutant is at this point. Now we do. We use it a lot. But it just at the time, colloquially, it wasn't considered a smart marketing move, which I can understand. We do that a lot in the in the biz, um, he says, as though he is someone who's very important in the entertainment industry. Um, but he changed to the x-men which was sort of based off of their extra gene their extra powers their extra um difference and the fact that their professor and leader was named xavier so they they called him the x-men um later on when uh chris claremont added a whole new team of students and mutants that were the new young group they finally got to use this original name but they just called it the new mutants which is why that title is called that way so stan and his good friend uh who uh was always seen with the stogie in his mouth jack kirby um they made these characters basically jack was drawing that like creating them as he drew them like they were working on issue one and jack was basically making them as he goes amazing amazing man um unfortunately because of jack's earlier passing than stan i think feel like the public doesn't really know or talk about jack kirby as much the the comics world worships him um or or often does i, I don't want to just completely generalize everybody's opinion of a man um but stan got to be around for the mcu stan got to be the face of the mcu stan was you know the ceo of marvel and and, and um the found not the yeah was he the founder oh god i gotta get my facts right about stan anyways stan's the poster child stan's the walt disney and but jack kirby was the man who made the look of these characters you want to know why 
Johnny Storm looks the way he does? Jack Kirby. You want to know why Silver Surfer and Thanos look the way they do? Jack Kirby. Um, and you want to know why Cyclops has his visor and Professor X has his bald head and uh, Iceman is covered in snow? Jack Kirby. Um, but with all of their genius, Stan and Jack, they weren't able to make the X-Men a success for very long or basically at all. Um, they had a short around 60 issue run um i think i'm getting that number right i'm going off of memory on that one uh but they 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 it failed financially monetarily business wise so they went on a five-year hiatus of just reruns um and they also tried to kind of send a lot of the characters off to other titles um which that actually kept going on for quite a while beyond even the five-year hiatus um beast is on the avengers and blah 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 um but a a a young i think around 24 year old english immigrant by the name of chris claremont um was handed the x-men after this giant size reboot um called giant size x-men and chris held on to the x-men reigns and brought them to their real glory for 17 years so chris claremont is as important if not in some opinions, more important than Stan Lee in the history of the X-Men. We can debate about that. I personally am a Chris um, Stan. Okay, that doesn't phrase correctly considering we're talking about the other men. Anyways, I really like Chris Claremont and what he did for the X-Men. And uh, I thank him all the time. If I were someone who would say my little prayers at night next to my bed, uh, I would say thank you to Mr. Chris Claremont, who is still around. And I've actually met him um, briefly at a, at a convention once. Um he was nice enough to come to a convention that was being thrown by uh, the company that I work for. And I took advantage of that, completely jumped in front of the line as an employee and got a few issues of my comics uh, signed by Chris, including um, the first appearance of Gambit. I have that issue in X-Men Comics and I got Chris to sign it. That's me bragging about my comic collection, which I don't really want to do a lot in this podcast. So I'm going to move on and keep talking about the X-Men and tell you where did the mutants get their powers. I know we all know they're born with them, but I don't know if a lot of you know that originally a theme that they kept playing with that was eventually let go was that everyone who was a mutant actually had some relationship to being in proximity to nuclear power, whether they were raised near a nuclear power plant or they were uh, born to someone who worked at a nuclear power plant or something like that. Um, that was actually the origin, like sort of the origins of a lot of these these X-Men characters, um, which kind of makes them a little bit like Godzilla from the 1990s Godzilla movie, which I actually like that movie. Please don't rip me up in the comment section for enjoying that movie. I like a lot of Godzilla movies, and that one just is special to me. Um, and so, like Godzilla in that movie, um, nuclear power seeped into these people somehow, and then when these babies were born they had uh new genes um they were mutated which is where that comes from and um but now they quickly went into defining the x-men or mutants in general as the the next step in uh human evolution um which that's also been played with a little bit in the comics but generally speaking that's the consensus and continues to be what the mutants are considered to be um but I actually almost stumbled upon this, and uh, so I'll ask you this. Are all mutants X-Men? No, not all mutants are X-Men. X-Men is a team. X-Men is, is, is like the Avengers. Not all people's superpowers are Avengers, but, but most people on the Avengers have superpowers. Um, it's kind of like Sesame Street. All Sesame Street puppets 
are Muppets, but not all Muppets live on Sesame Street. Um, someday when I'm just, I have too much time on my hands, I will also make a unnecessary uh, Muppets podcast where me and probably my friend Elise Willems will just talk about Muppets all day long. Um, but instead, we're here talking about X-Men. Um, and if all mutants are X-Men, are all X-Men mutants? No! All X-Men are not mutants. Oh, my gosh. Um, th- there's actually a fair amount of X-Men that are not mutants that have been on the team throughout the years. But some are quite notable, like Juggernaut. Not a mutant. Not a mutant. Not a mutant. Not a mutant. In fact, he says it all the time in the comics. He says it all the time in the cartoon. I can't recall if in... I think in X-Men 3 The Last Stand, they made him out to be a mutant. Incorrect. Um, and I think in... I don't know if Deadpool 2, they made him a mutant, but he is not. Um, he was given his powers by the Crimson Gem of Citarak, um, who is a demon from another dimension. Um, and he's like the avatar of this unstoppable demon. Um, Deadpool, not a mutant. It's, uh, I know they tried to play him off as one in the movies, and Deadpool in the comics would love that they did that because Deadpool in the comics wants to be a mutant. Um, he is not. He is mutated. Um, but he is not a mutant. He's the, he doesn't have that gene. Um, uh, so I'm, I'm going to give you a moment to uh, come to terms with that fact. Because a lot of people think that Deadpool is a mutant. I'm going to take a drink of my water. Mr. Sinister. Mr. Sinister is technically also not a mutant. He was genetically modified by Apocalypse. Um, but then it was later retconned in Powers of X. to be a. There's a clone of Mr. Sinister that is a mutant. Basically, the Mr. Sinister that we know is technically a clone or is technically a mutant because he was uh, modified with the genes of a mutant named Thunderbird. Um, So while Mr. Sinister has not typically been considered a mutant, he technically, I guess, is at this point or one of them is um, since there are a lot of Sinisters um, and a lot of clones of him based technically a lot of clones of Nathaniel Essex. Um, which recently, what, uh, you know, in Immortal X-Men, they're really, they, they're playing a lot with the lore of Mr. Sinister. So someday, once they land on finalizing this lore of Mr. Sinister, I'll do a Mr. Sinister episode and talk to you about Orbis Stellaris and, uh, Mr. Sinister's clones and Nathaniel Essex and all them. Um, it's a lot. It's a lot. He's very convoluted. Speaking of convoluted, um, I wanted to talk, that's, that's, that's the portion of this episode. We're gonna talk about the, the origins of the X-Men. So now we're going to get into the more meaty and beefy and fun stuff. I want, we're going to do an episode on the dark Phoenix saga, but I want to really briefly, since Phoenix has been in, movies and the cartoons and everything like that the phoenix is very confusing even for comic book readers so i'm going to give you a very basic understanding of who gene gray is and who the phoenix is and are they the same person or not originally gene gray and the phoenix were the same person um because chris claremont wanted to overpower her with some cosmic abilities and basically uh draw upon her potential is what they were doing really um and then he wanted to kill her and have her stay dead and introduce this great other redhead named Madeline Pryor. That didn't stay. The the editors at, uh, wanted Gene back. And so that's why we read Inferno. Um, if you watched, if you listened to the episode that we talked about that. Um, and so then it was retconned that uh, the Phoenix that came out of the Hudson Bay and, and fought the, the uh, 
the space people and uh, blew up a planet and all that kind of stuff. That was a clone, or that was a manifestation of Jean Grey through the power of the Phoenix. It was the Phoenix playing Jean Grey cosplay. Um, and then uh, it turned out that uh, Jean was in a cocoon under the water, um, and uh, then or she was resurrected upon the, the defeat of the Phoenix force which was later defined as a cosmic entity the kind of the 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 proverbial basically the phoenix is life phoenix is the idea of life like if there is a death you know character in marvel comics phoenix is life and reincarnation specifically um and so phoenix is this is this entity that has attached itself to gene and kind of uh considers gene its its uh corporeal avatar um but Jean is Jean Grey, who can sometimes be empowered by the Phoenix and and constantly has a struggle with it. Another story I really want to cover that I really enjoyed was uh, Avengers vs. X-Men, which was a Phoenix uh, 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 saga kind of story. So we'll have to do the actual original Dark Phoenix saga story as an episode or two episodes probably. It's a long saga. Um, and then we can do Avengers vs. X-Men. Um, there's my brief definition of Jean Grey for you. So when you're at the, your next cocktail party, you can correct people when they talk about Jean Grey and the X-Men, which I assume everybody does at cocktail parties. Just me? Um, okay, next one that I wanted to go over. This is me just doing a favor for you. We're going to talk about Morph, Changeling, and Mystique. I feel I hear a lot of people ask questions about those characters, and I want to just set the record straight so you can have a little soundbite of Morph, Changeling, and Mystique. We'll talk about Changeling first. Changeling is a 1960s X-Men villain who impersonated as Professor X and then died while impersonating as Professor X. It was a whole twist. They they were like, oh my God, Professor X is dead. And it's like, oh, nope, it was this mutant that was posing as him um, at Professor Xavier's behest. In fact, Professor Xavier gave him some like limited telepathic and telekinetic powers um, just so he could play as him. Um, I don't think Professor X has ever done that since then. So don't ask like, oh, does Professor X give powers to people all the time? Nope, he's not that kind of way. But they sometimes, again, authors be authoring. Um, but uh, Changeling could alter his appearance. That's all Changeling could do. Um, from Changeling, though, we did get the uh, a character based on him named Morph for that you guys saw in the 90s X-Men cartoon. He was based on Changeling and then was later used in comics um, in the Age of Apocalypse comics, which we covered very early on in this show's history, and The Exiles, which is another title I really want to go over someday in this show um because it's it's great it's a great uh, reality hopping quantum leap x-men story um morph's powers different than changelings is that he's basically made of unstable molecules think of a cartoon character like the rules in space jam that bugs bunny tells uh uh, Michael Jordan. I almost said Michael Jackson. Um, I'm bad at names, and if it's too similar, I'll I'll just run into it. Um, so basically, he's only limited by his imagination of what he can do. Uh, also, kind of the way that Roger Rabbit explains how cartoons work and who frame Roger Rabbit. Think of Morph in that way. Um, and uh, and and in the cartoon, he was a little bit more OP'd. He could turn into other mutants and had their powers. Um, and that's why he doesn't appear in the cartoon very much because if you have someone who can just turn into every other mutant who has powers, um, they're a little OP. Um, uh, fun, but OP. 
And then Mystique is Mystique. Mystique has always been Mystique. Mystique is only Mystique. No one is Mystique is based off of no one. Uh, Mystique is is her own. She's a metamorph that can alter her her biological cells in any sort of formation and fashion that she deems necessary. She's technically a gene shaper. Um, she was uh, designated that by Doctor Nemesis in uh, an X Men comic later on in life, um, where she can alter herself so much on the genetic level she can fool retina scanners. She can later on fool even wolverine's you know smell um abilities um she can move her organs around in different places um she can change what organs she has as long as she's able to function still um mystique i love mystique is one of the characters that i love that they've played with in empowering her more and more kind of like Iceman and Jean gray and all and those kind of characters that mystique is so interesting and cool um and to talk about Mystique's gene-shaping abilities, uh, we have to talk about Mystique's family. And so now we're moving into uh, a very convoluted, but I think it should be a fun section of this episode, which is I want to talk to you about the families, the famous X-Men families. Because I I know I breeze by a lot of familial relations when we do episodes of this show. Um, I try to contextualize them and give like understanding as much as I can as um, whenever I do it, but I know I gloss over a lot of facts. And so I'm going to go over, let's say, I, I think I got about the top five convoluted X-Men families because the X-Men are they are incestuous in in certain degrees they're they are uh they're they're a messed up little family of people that just constantly are dating and marrying and having kids with people and they got clones and alternate realities and all that kind of stuff it can be a lot and so this is going to be a a very brief but still beefy understanding of or description of the X-Men families. And we're talking about Mystique's family first because we've talked about Mystique a lot cuz I like Mystique. I'm I'm a bisexual. I like Mystique. That's how it works. Um, Mystique has a wife, um, maybe the only uh, actual other person she's ever actually cared about as the sociopath that she is. Her wife is Destiny. Um, She wasn't always able to call her her wife because of the uh, straight men. (laughs) who were in charge of X-Men for so long. I don't mean to be mean about the straight men, but they were. They were like, you can't have gay characters in comics for years. You couldn't have, um, you know, uh, non-straight heterosexual characters say they were non-straight, non-heterosexual characters in comics. But thanks to uh, modern times, she was able to finally call her her wife. And so Destiny is her wife. Um, She's called her her wife. Have we seen their wedding? Man, I kind of want to see that now. I don't think that's been in comics yet. I want to see Mystique's wedding. Um, But uh, she always had um, an adopted daughter. Not always, but for a very long time, has had an adoptive daughter with Destiny named Rogue. We know Rogue. Rogue is a part of the X-Men. And so, yeah, they've always had the adopted daughter. And for years, she had a son named Nightcrawler who was supposedly her son that she had with some uh german or bavarian i can't remember where they were uh uh aristocrat um and uh, i almost said aristocrat because i say that word more often than aristocrat um but uh that was then retconned into her having nightcrawler with an interdimensional mutant named azazel who looks like the devil and was played off as the base of the 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 origin of the idea of the devil um that was received with mixed uh, acceptance. I liked 
that story, I didn't like that retcon. I thought that book that that went through that, um, I can't remember what that 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 storyline is called right now. Um, but I liked that story. It was fun. I love the idea of like mutant angels and mutant demons. Um, it's kind of similar to what Thor comics have done with angels being uh, the tenth uh, realm um, under Yggdrasil, uh, and that's how we get characters like Angela. Um, sorry, this is not a Thor show but i read thor a lot and uh they have angels in thor um he has a half sister who's an angel uh but nightcrawler was the son of azazel for a while but that was very recently wonderfully retconned to finally align with what chris claremont originally had planned for mystique and nightcrawler um chris claremont had a lot of queer plans with his characters um a lot of unconventional plans with his characters and i really there's a different timeline um where they let chris claremont do whatever he want explicitly whenever he wanted and we would have a very very different definition of the x-men publicly um and i would have appreciated that instead of a bunch of us going like we all know there's a lot of queerness in the x-men right um even though they never really got to say it as often as they wanted anyways the retcon that recently happened in X-Men Blue Origins is that Mystique was finally able to uh, be honest about where Nightcrawler came from, which is that he is the paternal son of Mystique, who was at the time male presenting with, with male parts and uh, impregnated Destiny. Um, and uh, he, Nightcrawler's mom is Destiny. Um, and uh, f- dad... Um, or paternal figure is Mystique. I love that. It's so fun. It's so interesting. It's so unique. It really fixes things with Nightcrawler because for some reason Nightcrawler's always been treated poorly by Mystique. Um, but in X Men Blue Origins, they did some fixing. They did some therapy in that story, which I th- I feel like has been a really good theme in the Krakoan era. I'm sad the Krakoan era is ending and we're at the the beginning of the fall of X and the rise of the powers of 10. Um, that's going on right now in January of 2024. In fact, I haven't, I haven't read either of those issues yet. The first issue of fall of X has actually just come out and I got to go read it after this podcast, but X-Men blue origins was great. Therapy going on in Krakoa is great. Um, and that's the, that's the family of mystique. Oh no. She also has another son, a human son who she killed. Um, his name is great in Creed. She had a son with saber tooth. I hate that. Um, and, uh, he's a bigot human who tried to kill all mutants and eventually had to get killed by mystique. Um, their family's messed up. Speaking of messed up families, Professor X has a messed up family. I'll be brief about this. We've already gone over that he has a stepbrother, Kane Marco. His dad died. His mom married a guy named Marco, um, a last name Marco. He had a nasty son named Kane. Um, then his mom died, and so then Professor X was left with just a uh, bad stepdad and bad stepbrother. A really sad Cinderella story. Um, and that's his brother. But they've also gone through therapy now. And now Kane is good friends with uh, Professor X. It's great. Juggernaut and Professor X together is great. Um, Professor X did have a, a son with a w- woman named Holler, uh, last name Holler. And he his son is named David Holler, uh, who's got the mutant named Legion. He's been a terrible father to Legion 
almost exclusively throughout their entire relationship, <laughs> which I'd love to go over Legion. Oh, Legion would be a fun character to do a character-centric episode on because he had a pretty good show, pretty good TV show. I at least watched the first season. Um, and the TV show was completely off from the comics. Um, not completely, but for the most part, off from the, uh, the comics. But I love Legion. Legion's always been one of my favorite characters, and I'd love to do a d- deep dive on Legion. We wouldn't be able to cover every issue of Legion because he's been around for forever, but I'd at least be able to go over some of the, the highlights of his story. At the very least, he did create one of the best X-Men stories ever, which is Age of Apocalypse, because he accidentally went back in time and killed his dad. Um, Professor X also has a biological daughter. He has one biological son and one biological daughter, and that is Zandra uh, Niamani. Niamani? Niamani. Um, She's an alien. She's Shi'ar. Lalandra and him, who you, if you watch the cartoon and you saw the Phoenix Saga episodes, um, Lalandra's in there. He had baby with her, uh, baby named Zandra. Baby later became queen of the Shi'ar. And so his kid is like the queen of one of the biggest and most powerful alien races in the planet it's pretty cool um this let's go over it let's okay that's the xavier family let's talk about the summers family the summers family is this is these the, the families are getting bigger and more convoluted now okay i'm gonna go over this uh rapid fire but also give you a chance to process all this cyclops scott summers dad corsair summers who is uh, uh the captain of the star jammers space pirate um mom Catherine summers um mom and dad were captured by uh uh evil uh shiar king um who then uh but so then uh cyclops and his brother uh havoc he's got a brother havoc um were uh orphaned and then later adopted find out later that they had another brother that was born in space and was genetically uh altered to age up named vulcan um gabriel summers so uh, three brothers, Cyclops, Havoc, and Vulcan. Um, and then actually technically he has a half brother named Adam X. I don't know a lot about Adam X because Adam X has a very brief history in the X-Men comics, but he's technically the son of their mom, of Cyclops' mom, Catherine, and the, the nasty king, um, Deken, who, uh, had a genetic clone or son of them. And Adam X is a mutant that was technically, I guess, the half brother of Cyclops. We're not going to talk about it. Adam X Scott then has a baby with Madeline Pryor and that's cable cable is Scott and Madeline Pryor's son cable often calls Jean Grey mom as well because Jean Grey raised him um so biological mom Maddie uh practical mom Jean um and then there's an alternate universe Scott and Jean we're not gonna go over alternate universe people for all these families because they're convoluted but they're these ones are important because they actually became like real characters in the comics and stayed um so alternate universe scott and gene in the age of apocalypse had had son uh nate gray um i guess who's kind of a clone um and then alternate scott and gene in days of future past story had a daughter named rachel gray who sometimes goes as rachel summers or rachel gray summers so if you hear me say that in the show that's why um but rachel who's sometimes called phoenix I don't know what she's... Oh, she's going by Ascani right now, which is great. Um, and so that's their alternate reality. That's his alternate reality daughter. And then Cable actually had a son, Tyler, um, who I think Cable had to kill as well. There's a lot of parents having to kill their kids or kids having to kill their parents in the X-Men comics. It's a soap opera. Um, Cable also had a clone named Strife. I don't know if that's a son of Scott's. It's the clone of his son. Let's just say that. And so that's the Summers family and it's convoluted. Um, 
and uh, but I love them. The Wolverines. This is the one that a lot of people might not know very well because Wolverine's origins and story and family are a, are, are a lot. Um, technically, Wolverine's father is a guy named Thomas Logan. This is his biological father. His stepfather, John Hallett, was married to his mother, Elizabeth. Elizabeth was uh, not faithful to John. And then they had uh, uh, Wolver- Wolverine, who goes by Logan. Also, James Hallett. James Hallett is his real name. Um, he also has a brother, John Howlett, and a half-brother, um, Dog Logan. Um, yes, uh, Thomas Logan named his son Dog, um, or called him Dog. Um, and so that's his, like, actual biological family and stepfamily as when he was young, um, which they revealed in Wolverine Origins. And then he had a wife named Itsu and a biological son, Dokken, who is now uh, on good terms with him, and they he's Dokken was introduced as kind of a villain but um because he was twisted but now they're they're good um i guess wolverine also had a wife at one point named viper um but the, we're not going to go over that um so biological son dokken clone of his x23 laura kinney um who t- technically i'm going to say technically so much in this show because you have to just kind of like point that out uh technically his clone, his ori- the original X-23, was trapped in a time globe. Um, and now she's hundreds of years old and she's named Talon. And then because of Krakoan resurrection protocols, the resurrected Laura Kinney is, is also around. So there is a X-23 Wolverine that's, that's normal age. And then there's Talon who's like hundreds of years old and his boyfriend's name is Sink. And then there's a clone of X-23 um, named uh, Gabby. Um, and uh, my favorite name of her was Honey Badger. I don't think she goes by that anymore, but I always think of her as Honey Badger because I think that was a great name. Um, and to keep things simple, we're not, not going to talk about at all about the team called the Mongrels, which were a bunch of children, like like uh, children of Wolverine that he didn't know he had that came to kill Wolverine. And then he had to kill them all again dads having to kill their kids and kids having to kill their parents very grecian it's very grecian drama is the x-men um but we're not gonna talk about the mongrels what we will talk about is the magnetos magnetos family is also completely messed up and hard to keep track of but here it is for you finally once and for all as of january 2024 according to a old man in texas his wife was Magda Eisenhart, and they had a daughter named Anya. Anya got killed um, by a bunch of lynch mob nasty bigots, which then made uh, Magneto's powers manifest, and he killed them. And then Magda was appalled by him and left. Um, Originally, his kids were supposed to be Scarlet Witch and Quicksilver. That was retconned later on, and they... uh, are the biological children of this this family called the Maximoffs and uh but Scarlet Witch still considers him father kind of like an adopted father so they're still very uh, uh, father daughter Quicksilver is complicated but he's not his son um his biological daughter is Polaris um I think her mom is Suzanne Dane. Lorna Dane is Polaris's real name and then Suzanne Dane um and Magneto had her so I think she's actually Polaris, I think is the only biological child of Magneto. And she has almost 
identical powers as Magneto. Uh, Magneto also has a clone named Joseph, who's the younger version of him, um, named Joseph. And then because Scarlet Witch is sort of his daughter and because Scarlet Witch sort of had children with Vision at one point, the characters Wiccan and Speed in the X-Men and Avengers comics are technically the reincarnated grandchildren of Magneto because scarlet witch and vision had babies they weren't real babies they were babies she made with her magic powers then the magic powers took those babies back but the souls were real i think and then the souls were then reincarnated in these two boys who uh wiccan shares the same kind of powers as his mom scarlet and uh speed shares the same powers and look of his uncle uh quicksilver sorry sometimes i say sentences in the show and i'm like that's probably sounds like a crazy person talking um magneto also sort of has a granddaughter if quicksilver is or was his son quicksilver had a baby with one of the inhumans crystal um and his daughter's name is luna um so sort of granddaughter uh off and on again magneto's family is the most on and off again family there is wolverine's family is very much found family and i love that about it because it's like clones and, and estranged family and that kind of thing um cyclops's family is just uh we everyone has drama that's what cyclops's family is um and 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 everyone is like bad with their relationships professor x family is just daddy issues family and mystique's family is uh that that weird queer family that uh scares the republicans um that's all that's all i'm gonna go over as far as families and the x-men there's even more mixed up families i could tell you about bishop's family i could tell you about uh who else has a mixed up family in that oh like angel has a mixed up family and uh they yeah it's a lot of a lot of family issues in the x-men but we're getting to the, the final part portion of this episode which is i wanted to go over quickly the some of the biggest misconceptions people have about X-Men powers. Um, People usually get the X-Men powers right, or at least aren't fully confused by them. But here are, let's say, four that people get wrong. Um, First and foremost, Cyclops. Cyclops does not not have heat vision. Um, Technically, Cyclops uh, converts solar cosmic energy uh, through exposure, like being in the sun, into... uh, kinetic energy that he releases from his eyes and is able to control um through his eyes when he's able to control it um there was a like one comic that was like let's retcon this to say that his eyes open up uh, a portal into a dimension with that's just a punch dimension it's a dimension that is made entirely of this red kinetic energy um that has not been sustained at all. And so that's one of those things in the comics where like, yes, that was there. We're not talking about it. We're not. It happened, but it didn't as far as we're concerned. It's kind of like the Inhumans versus the X-Men. Yeah, that happened. We're not talking about it. Um, so Cyclops has kinetic energy that comes from his eyes. Um, it is not heat-based. Um, it, it is It is just it, it can push. It can move. It can hit. Um, Jubilee 
doesn't make fireworks. They appear to be like fireworks, but technically she makes these little micro-nuclear explosions. She is essentially tearing atoms apart on a micro level, and when she has explored that on a macro level, she's been considered one of the most powerful mutants out there, or at least one of the most destructive. Um, and so while she's always been like, oh yeah, she makes these little flashy lights is what she does, and maybe small explosions. No, she's like creating like vision and fusion on a micro level and which is very powerful if you're a physicist um so i just want to get the record straight about my good girl jubilee who i love and i think has had some of the best uh fashion sense and stories in the x-men comics that's another comic i still haven't gone over even though we're at episode 34 of this we have not done generation x i got we got to do generation x um we'll do that very soon um that's a, i gotta write these down these ones that i gotta get to um and then Colossus is another one I want to I want to set the record straight. He does not cover himself in steel or organic steel. He turns into it basically entirely, which is what lends him to not needing certain human functions when in that form. Like he doesn't technically need to breathe when he's in that form. He is almost immune to heat in that form. Um, he can, you know, uh, be under water for extended periods of time. He's 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 very powerful in that form. And so um, sometimes in the comics, you'll see some off, some writers, some artists get it wrong, and like Wolverine will like tear off a piece of the metal and re- reveal skin, or someone will slice Colossus with something sharp enough that can pierce him, and blood will come out. Um, that is not canonically what most consider what his actual powers are. Um, he has, in fact, been in metal form and shredded apart and then put back together almost like in a forge um, and been okay. Um, so he's he turns into metal. Um, I want to make that very clear, which is a very metal power to have. Professor X is the uh, final one I want to go over. A lot of people get telekinesis and telepathy mixed up just on its own. Telekinesis is the manipulation of matter through mental abilities. You can move a pencil with telekinesis. Telepathy is the manipulation of thoughts through mental abilities. Telepaths can read thoughts, send thoughts, enter people's minds, control people through their brain, stuff like that. Uh, Professor X is a telepath who has, on occasion, shown low-level telekinesis at times. More often than not, he hasn't really showcased that or had that power, but... Right now, in in current comics, due to Krakoan uh, resurrection protocols, he has been upping his telekinetic powers, and so he right now has low-level telekinetic abilities. In fact, there's a panel in the most recent Immortal X-Men issue where he's working on a machine with Mr. Sinister, and he's, like, holding all these tools above him um, with his mental ability. So, yes, Professor X is a telepath who sometimes has telekinesis. Okay, that's your intro 101 on misconceptions and myths about the x-men if i missed any or got any wrong please let me know in the comments either on the patreon patreon.com slash class of x or um in uh the uh on socials or even on spotify i guess i could put that as a question on spotify because you can answer questions on spotify um 
And if there's any questions I didn't get to that you'd still like me to answer, I'm always happy to answer them. Um, you can also join in the Discord. We talk a lot about just comics and X-Men comics and, and even DC comics and Image comics and just everything and Marvel comics um, in the Discord. So I hope you join us in the Discord um, and check us out there. Thank you so much for joining me for our first episode of 2024. I'm very excited to keep making Class of X episodes this year. This is our second year. This is our third year. This might be our third year. Like, technically, year. I think this... I don't know. I'm not going to get this. Thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you, thank you. Appreciate it, especially if you're a Patreon member and you keep the lights on and uh, this show going. I appreciate you so much. You're the best. I'd give you a hug if you gave me consent to do it. Be good. Be kind. Be brave. Have a good, have a good year. Um, I will catch you guys in a couple weeks. Bye-bye. <laughs>